from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, May 11th, 2021. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's overcast and gray, it's the Gem City. It's also Tuesday, and that means Dwayne Long from the capital city of Columbus. Dwayne, how goes it? I'm waiting on it to get completely warm, Dan. We had some 70s, almost got to 80. Now we're down in the 50s and 60s again. Don't tease me like that, old Mother Nature. Let's do this. I was in Dublin, Ohio for a lacrosse tournament that never happened. Those at Ohio State's graduation felt the downpour in the shoe. So our sympathies go out to y'all. However, our original sympathies go out to ourselves. Last week, Dwayne and I did some draft predictions, and I predicted the seventh Buckeye off the board next year would be Henry Toto. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Toto found there was no place like home, but it wasn't Ohio State. It was Tuscaloosa. Your vibe on losing out to Alabama for a linebacker that I believe would have been plug and play. Also in context, XM Satellite Radio reported yesterday that Nick Saban got to speed up their decision process on the in-league transfer rule so that Toto wouldn't go to Ohio State. Alabama gets us again. Your vibe. Damn disappointing because he is a plug and play. The kid was going to come in and take somebody's job right away. He was outstanding. Yeah, there's, it's very disappointing when we've lost all three of our linebackers. Now, I'm not saying we don't. I, I think we've got some guys that uh, can come in and play. I don't know if any of them are as good as Toto. That's the only thing. He was really special. Uh, so it's damn disappointing. But, Dan, what's even more disappointing is how this conference just really does not. They do whatever the hell they please. They don't care if it looks dirty. This is this is not in the, in their best interest to waive that rule. Now I'm telling you, we we talked about this on the board. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, these are schools. Florida, maybe these schools are going to lo- use the rest of the conference schools as farm schools. It was not smart of the SEC to waive this rule. I'm watching. I'm telling you. That's what's going to happen. They're going to use them as farm schools. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, we'd like to. Uh, we'd like to have you. We think, but we're not absolutely sure. We got a few guys higher on our board. Why don't you go over to Mississippi or Mississippi State and let's see what you got. And uh, if you uh, if you uh, develop like we hope you will, we'll bring you back over to Alabama or Florida or Georgia or LSU. And I believe absolutely that that is going to happen. Just not a good precedent right there. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, the bottom teams in the SEC, you're going to have at least one coach turnover usually every year, and all you got to go is dip into their roster, see who played well against you, and pick them right off if you're Alabama. So that's a terrible rule, and they will continue to dominate the edges as long as that takes place. Are we headed for a decision of JT Tuomalo to also go to Alabama? And I would ask JT this. 
I have a family and I'm trying to put my kids through college. And if he does that, I'm seriously afraid the board will actually melt into the ether. Your thoughts? Well, I don't, I, the timing of it is just uh, uh, being negative uh, as Buckeye fans and just absolutely frustrated that Alabama, uh, even though we are definitely on their level, um, that Alabama still just goes, goes and does whatever the hell they please. That's very frustrating to fans. So right now we're a little bit negative, but there's no nothing about Toto going to uh, Alabama that's going to impact uh, uh, JTT's decision. I, it just doesn't. <laughs> he's going to go where he's going to go. Uh, probably has no idea who Toto is. Uh, and Toto's a linebacker, so I don't see where the work's going to impact him. I, I just don't see – I'm not putting the two together. I just – he's favored Ohio State all along. I don't see anything that's changed that's, uh, that says he's going to now go to Alabama. That's the kind of optimism we need here. We're going to take a quick break, and Dwayne and I are going to come back with our annual prediction sure to go wrong. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, we are back. This is going to be some fun here. Dwayne and I are each going to lay out five predictions for next season when it comes to the Buckeyes. We had no real parameters here, kind of off the top of our domes. This is just meant for entertainment purposes only, no wagering. Dwayne, your first prediction for the Buckeyes. Let me remind fans, we don't talk about this before the show. We just go. We purposely don't talk about it so we can confuse each other just like we confuse you. Dwayne, number one. All three quarterbacks play all year, not just in the out-of-conference games. We've seen that before, out-of-conference games, when we, we're bringing in a new quarterback and, uh, you know, see who's going to be the starter. And it's usually the guy that was first one off the bench in the first place. But I just don't think that that's going to – I think they're going to play – all of them all year. We're talking about three freshmen that have never thrown a pass in college. That gives the staff plenty to look at for the next couple of years, uh, you know, looking for a, a, a starter to emerge. Um, and it also keeps all three around for at least to end of 2022. And they, they want to, they got to keep that quarterback room, Dan, this, this portal thing is it's a double-edged sword. And I'm telling you, at least one of them is going to leave if they're not if they're not playing. And I would not be surprised. I'm scared to death it's going to be two of them if uh, if we don't do something to to try to keep a second one around. So a kid knowing he's he's going to play every week that I think will have an impact. Play all three of them. Give you know you could start well, one kid, and it looks like it's going to be Stroud is going to be the starter. But uh, let the other two get in there and play with the game still on the line. Let's try it just to try to keep the quarterback room stocked. 
That's the key there is, are they going to play Jack Miller and Kyle McCord when it's crunch time or in pressure situations? The most common question I get on the street these days is who's going to be the quarterback. And my standard answer is it'll be CJ Stroud unless something else happens between now and then of serious import. But that would be very interesting. They've never really done that before. I don't think they've ever gone platoon, at least under Ryan Day or Urban that I can remember. I'm not a fan of the platoon attack, but let's just see how they work that out. I think a lot of this will become more apparent once we see the guys on the field and who's comfortable, etc. All right, my first prediction. Freshman Jack Sawyer will finish the season with 10 sacks, joining Chase Young, Vernon Golston, Joey Bosa, Mike Vrabel, Andy Katzenmoyer, Matt Finkus, Will Smith, and Jason Simmons as guys with 10 sacks in their career in a season. Sawyer will be the first one to do it as a freshman. Am I overhyping it? No. No, not at all. I don't, uh, there's, he's dominated everywhere he's been. Uh, I mean, the spring game was just, that was pretty insane watching him just destroy a uh, college tackle. Just, you know, it wasn't MPF, but it was still, he was, <laughs> he was just destroying the guy. He, how many times did he get his hands on the quarterback? He would have set a, a single game record if, if that had been a real game. No, not at all. There's no reason to think that one can happen. You know, I, I don't know how, if mine's going to happen, but yours, I think, has a, a much better chance of happening. Keep in mind, if Zach Harrison is what we think he is, and Tyreek Smith has a good year, and Javante Jean-Baptiste, they're deeper at defensive end with guys who really thrive at rushing the passer than they've been since I don't know when. And, you know, the Chase Young-Nick Bosa combo didn't last as long as we would have liked because Nick got hurt. So I'm hoping this year you have kind of two lottery picks on the edge with some decent depth there. I'm geeked for Jack Sawyer. Prediction number two from you, Dwayne. Nicholas petit Ferrer wins the Outland Trophy. Plain and simple. That kid was so good last year. You know, we were waiting. When's he gonna? When's he gonna get in the lineup? When's he gonna get in the lineup? Well, when he got in the lineup, he got in the damn lineup. He was so impressive. I don't remember him giving up a pressure, let alone the sack. Maybe he did. I don't remember. Nicholas Petit Ferrer wins the outline. It's funny, you know, when we did the draft predictions, I had him going in the first round. When you're gambling on a prediction like this, you want to look at certain factors. And Petit Ferrer coming out of high school, this wouldn't have been an outlandish comment. And then he kind of went away for a while because he had to develop. And he's on the right side, but he reminds me so much of Tyron Smith's career. And I'm a Cowboys fan. And Tyron Smith never played left tackle at USC. And it's going to make the Hall of Fame as a left tackle. Just has everything you would want in a franchise tackle. I think that's a great choice. Here's mine. This is not really an outlandish prediction, but I believe Garrett Wilson will be the first receiver picked in next year's draft. And the name you're going to hear him consistently compared to is Stefan Diggs. What do you think? Looking at receivers for next year anyway, I you know, uh, Jahan Dotson at, at Penn State is probably the next best receiver, but he is the next best receiver. Uh, there, there's no way. That, uh, that that he's better. He's I could see him being the first receiver off the board, absolutely, based on what we've seen so far. You know, the guys that are that are coming back next year. I listened to a national podcast done by CBS where they were predicting next year's draft, and they all agreed Garrett Wilson was the best receiver in the country. Olave may have more national fanfare right now, but in terms of being a pro prospect, I think Garrett checks more boxes. Prediction number three for you, Dwayne. 
Okay. Dan says uh, Zach Harrison will go early. And I actually saw a mock draft that had him go on first round. I don't believe it. I say he does not even start. He was supposed to be the heir apparent to Chase Young. He didn't start last year with Young not there, with Young out of there and nobody to keep him from being the starter. He wasn't the starter. Jack Sawyer looks like he could be. Jack Sawyer is going to play, and I believe he's going to start. Tyreek Smith will be on the other side. I don't believe Zach Harrison is going to start this year. That would make me not a good predictor, although I was gambling a bit. It's possible. He's a boomer bust type guy right now. He certainly has the physical characteristics to be, you know, the next Bosa young type. He has not done it yet. We are operating on hearsay. The coaches say he will. I don't know if they're doing that to pump him up. I'm taking them at their word, but what you said is also possible. I hope I'm right on this one. My third prediction, Ohio State will beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. They'll face Clemson again in the semis and Bama again in the championship game. I'm not yet ready to call the champion. Your thoughts? Uh, I think that's highly likely. That's where we're at right now. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson have separated themselves from the rest of college football. You got the year. It's just, okay, who's going to be the fourth team this year? And, you know, we've had, we've had LSU, we had Notre Dame. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, Oregon was in there. Uh, it's just the way it is right now. They, they've got the, the best coaches, the best facilities, and uh, they're recruiting better than anybody. And the other teams are not close in any of those areas. And it's it just where the game is right now. And it, for the foreseeable future, until Saban retires, and then Alabama is probably going – I would not be surprised. Are they going to go back after uh, uh, Dabo? Are they going to go back after Kirby Smart? I hope they go back after Kirby Smart because he's not that smart. Uh, but, yeah, this, this is where we are. So that's not, that's not crazy at all. The only way one of those three teams isn't going to win the championship going forward is if you have some transfer action at the quarterback spot like LSU getting Joe Burrow. Keep in mind, recruiting is done well in advance. We've had the draft and free agency if you want to make the NFL comparison. Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson won. So this is going to go on for at least the next two or three years unless there is some quarterback movement at the top. Dwayne, number four. We will have 3,000-yard receivers. One of them will not be Emeka Egbuka or Julian Fleming. It's going to be Marvin Harrison Jr. We were not talking about him that much. You know, uh, it's all, we got these super athletes in particular, Egbuka and Julian Fleming, who are just flat out otherworldly athletes. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr. runs a 10-yard out. Doesn't run a 10 and a half yard out. Doesn't run a nine and a half yard out. He runs a 10 yard out. He is the most prepared receiver we've seen come into this program. And I don't even want to think about how long we it's been since we've seen a guy come in as a freshman and be able to do that. He's a big kid, so he's going to be a problem for most cornerbacks. And he's that precise. Catches everything. His dad schooled him well. And he looks, I'm telling you, 3,000-yard receivers, and I believe he's going to be one of them. 
That would be incredible. It means he basically has to jump Jackson Smith and the Jigba on the depth chart, or maybe there's injuries, but the talent is there and the early performance is there. Will there be enough balls to get to that number? We shall see. My number four is this. After a year in which he kind of backed off, I believe Jacksonville is going to struggle this year in the NFL, and Urban is going to make a pitch for Brian Hartline to come to Jacksonville. Your thoughts? I don't want to think about it. That's my thought. I don't want to think about losing Hartline with what he's got going. No, no, no. Please, no. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that can't happen because Urban Meyer is going to do what he's got to do to win. The the guy is a winner. And he's already uh, dumped a few staff members that have been around for a while. Uh, We've had a discussion about that on the board. Um, I, uh, someone thought it was a big deal. I didn't. That's, that's the coaching professional. It's the way it is, but yeah, that could happen, Dan. And I don't want to think about it though. I hope I'm wrong on that. Number five for you, Dwayne. Jeremy Ruckert will have 40 plus catches and 10 touchdowns this year. The reason I say that is look at the end of the year when, uh, when fields really started to find him more. I think uh, 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 what happens with a younger guy is they're too ready to check down, and you know that, and having a guy there that you know they can they they're going to get uh, to be re- someone they can rely on, a big target right there in front of them. Uh, they don't have the confidence to throw it down the field just yet early on. Uh, they'll throw it to Ruckert more, and as the season wears on, that'll just become a thing. He'll be a go-to guy. So I believe he gets 40-plus balls and 10 touchdowns. Well, especially, you know, down in the red zone, the tight end is just the scariest guy on the field for the defense. Leading up to the draft, I was talking to Dane Brugler about this, and he thought Rucker would have had a chance to maybe be the second tight end picked. If you told me he was a you know seven-time Pro Bowler when he went to the NFL, I'd buy that. I hope you're right, because if he does put up those numbers, that feels like championship team numbers to me. All right, here's my last one. That's pretty basic. Harry Miller will start at center, and Harry Miller will have solved his shotgunitis. Thoughts? Oh, man. I, I just, oh, I don't know about that one. I just lost so much confidence in that kid watching him take penalties, watching him get beat. Uh I don't know about that. I, I like uh, Jones in there. <laughs> it, 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 it would be in the best interest of the team if he is, because then you could move Jones back to guard where he really played well last year at the end of the year when Miller was out. I hope that one happens. That would be in, in the best interest of, uh, of the offensive line and the offense in general. One of the things that really bothered me during the draft, and there were plenty when it came to Justin Fields, was everyone loved to talk about the Indiana and Northwestern game without mentioning the Michigan State game where he was like Johnny Bench back there and led them to a W. We hope those were fun. We hope there was enough optimism in there to keep you buck nutting along. We appreciate Dwayne stopping by. Throw some of your predictions in the message board. Have a good one, buck nutters. takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. 
cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with the pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.